Hello, my name is Courtney Howitt, and this is episode five of Not Our First Rodeo. Let me start off by saying happy Thanksgiving. What a year it is to count our blessings and our gifts and to give thanks to the giver. We are grateful that you are here with us today to talk about one of the greatest gifts that we have been given. November is National Adoption Awareness Month, and we are here today to talk about just that. We are switching it up though this week, and we have Gail Howitt asking the questions this time. Our friend Katie and I are in the hot seat today sharing our perspective as adoptive parents. And we're also joined by Kara Pena, Helen Uphoff, and Linda Wallace, who have all been touched by adoption in unique ways. We as Christians have a unique perspective on adoption because we all were adopted by God. We were pulled out of our former life, brought into the family of God, and made sons and heirs with Christ. Not only were we spiritually adopted and giving all of the blessings that come with that, but we were then told to go, go make disciples of all nations, care for the fatherless, and make children orphans no more. So in this episode, we hope to do two things, to remind you of your spiritual adoption in Christ and to encourage you to be involved in adoption here on earth. Now that will look different from family to family. You may be one of those who are called to foster care, private adoption, or maybe international adoption. Or perhaps you're called to support an adoptive family, maybe financially or through prayer, or maybe even by babysitting because that is important too. This conversation is by no means exhaustive though. The discussion you're about to hear is limited, in perspective and in substance. There are so many other voices in our church alone from all sides of adoption that probably would have been better equipped to share. But we hope that by giving you a seat at this table while we discuss what it's been like for these families who have been touched by adoption, that you'll feel the tug also to go out and help make a child an orphan no more. As we approach this topic of adoption today, I think it's so important that we first focus on the biblical role that adoption has and promotes and gives us an understanding of. I personally have a favorite adoption story in the Bible that I would like to briefly read. This comes from 2 Samuel 9, and it's about David and Mephibosheth. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Mekir, son of Emiel, in Lodabar. So King David brought him from Lodabar, from the house of Mekir, son of Emiel. And when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, 
what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba. Saul's steward said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson will always be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever the Lord the king commands. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of his sons all the days of his life. I think that really hits on a few things. The heart of adoption is that we do it. It's something that's done to show God's kindness. And it's what God does to us, right? He adopts us into his family. And here's a king who had every right to kill Mephibosheth since he, because of the surrounding circumstances. And Mephibosheth was afraid of that. And David offered him nothing but grace and kindness and if you think of David's household and his table, right, you would think of maybe um, Absalom eating breakfast with his beautiful long hair and Solomon, maybe he writes some Proverbs, I don't know. <laughs> but then you would, you know, this regal scene, right, then Mephibosheth would come in with his two lame feet with a broken entrance, you could say. Mm -hmm. And in some ways he did not belong at the king's table, right? We don't belong at the king's table either. Yeah. But we eat at God's table the rest of our lives. And we are treated like a son because of Christ. I think um, Mephibosheth must have been so surprised. Because when he was called to come to David... He expected to be killed. It wasn't just that David mm. could have. It was expected. Mm. He was a defeated enemy. Mm. He was, you know, potentially a usurper that would try to reestablish Saul's reign. David would have been, by everyone, expected to kill him. And he chose, rather, to adopt him mm. and make him a member of the family. Good thought. I always love that uh, the picture of how sure salvation is through adoption in Scripture that you could you could uh, deny and get rid of a, a natural born child, but you couldn't uh, mm -hmm. deny an adopted child. And I just love that picture. I think the idea too that in adoption you children are chosen mm -hmm. to come into a family, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that's how God gets us in his family. Mm -hmm. He chooses yeah. us. He adopts us. He grafts us in, right? Mm -hmm. So that the adopted branch or the foreign branch that's fused to the main branch, once it starts growing, you can't tell the difference. It's all one, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a beautiful picture too. And I think it can help us understand how to relate to others in the body of Christ. Yeah. I love the, um, I know it's lengthy. And when you're going through the process of adoption, you probably wish it wasn't set up this way, but I love that it takes time. And I always think an adopted parent know full well what they were getting into. And I was adopted when I was 10, and I remember having to go to counselor after counselor and court after court, and it took time. And so the people that were saying yes to me really had to think about 
what that yes meant to them rather than just you get pregnant and you're like, well, I'm having a child. I'm going to be a parent. You know, you put in some effort. You've had some sweat to really make that yes mm -hmm. um, solid. And I, so I like the process of it. I don't know that I would want to go through it. Mm -hmm. But out, out of one of those hard, challenging things, I think that that's just a really beautiful picture to the child like knowing what they had to, what the parents had to continue to say yes to over and over again mm -hmm. through the hard thing. And so I, I like that process. As far as your own adoption, is there anything you'd like to speak to regarding that? Like, was that a positive thing for you? It was. I was adopted at 10. Um, it's a hard age to make a mm -hmm. It was. It was, it was through family, so it was a little closer. You know, I, I had... I understood, I knew the, the people that were adopting me and I had already spent time with them. So it's a little different than being adopted, you know, as a baby. But I always thought, oh no, on the hardest days, the pro that process really said, no, they, they wanted to do this. And so when you start to doubt, like, oh, they don't want me around. You know, those kids have those thoughts. And just in that process, you're like, they, they had to. Have wanted you because there was a million places to say no and yet they still didn't and so that's that's just a that reminds me of the Lord mm -hmm. there's a million ways he should have said no yeah. wow. and continued to say yes and you weren't accidental you mm -hmm. were not um, a burden every way that could have been taken out to not have to go through that wasn't and uh, <clears throat> so I think having to go through the process as an older kid and seeing it rather than just hearing that your parents went through that was uh, helpful too. Mm -hmm. But it, it always reminded, reminded me when I became a Christian, like, oh, that's, there was a lot that happened to choose me at the cross too. Vodi Bakum says that the promises of God, they don't rest on the biological or mm -hmm. the birth order, um, but on the calling and on the election. Uh, and we see that throughout scripture where um, there have been people who, you know, birth order wise should have gotten the blessing, right? But uh, in God's sovereignty, didn't. It went to the lesser son, or um, where a where a blessing should have gone to a biological child, but it didn't. It went to like Mephibosheth. Um, he was brought in and blessed, although it wasn't a biological thing. But it's always the promise is always riding on God's sovereignty and God's calling and election on a person or a nation instead of um, how we think it should be. I, I love that. The, um, just the concept of adoption says there are no lesser sons, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. our, culturally we, we, don't, we don't see that. Even in the Bible there was always a better one, but adoption says that's not true, that's not relevant, there is no lesser son. I also think about um, Jesus being born. He wasn't Joseph's biological son. Mm -hmm. yeah. And in some okay. ways you think, well, he must have adopted Jesus. You know? I have never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> well, Moses, you know, we have a, a case too where he was adopted and raised by the Pharaoh's daughter. right? So we see this both literally and figuratively all over the Bible. And our, I know we are each glad for our adoption. Well, I would like to... Ask a few questions. We have two moms here who have adopted children. We have Courtney and Katie, and we feel like there's a wealth of wisdom that you could teach us and our listeners about your experience. The first thing I want to uh, mention and get your input on is 
When we hear the word adoption, we can assume that it's preceded by some kind of pain, right? Maybe not, but that's what I'm thinking. Like something led to an adoption. You know, it wasn't plan A probably, right? Although God's plan Bs are beautiful. But someone's going to hurt here, right? Mm -hmm. Someone's going to be blessed and someone's going to hurt. Can you speak about that? I think we can always assume that adoption comes from pain. I, I don't, I can't think of a situation where an adoption doesn't come from pain. And we see that uh, both literally phys physically with our kids and their situations where they came from, but also spiritually. We all, since we all have been adopted, we've all come from pain. Mm -hmm. The fall is pain and death and destruction and depravity. And so whether you have literally been adopted and are in that triad, we call it, um, or uh, you've been spiritually adopted, there's always pain. But yes, it is always God's sovereignty and it's always God's plan A. Mm -hmm. um, nothing is God's plan B. He's not surprised by any of it. I think a lot of times in the church when we hear that somebody has adopted, um, and, it's, and I shouldn't say the church because it's, it's really everybody. Uh, a lot of times, most times, you hear, well, that is such a wonderful thing you did. That is so sweet. And while adoption is sweet and beautiful and wonderful, like I said, there is always that pain. So when I hear that, when somebody says, what a great thing you've done, it kind of makes me cringe because it's not something... It's not something great that I've done in and of myself. It's a picture of the gospel. You know, we adopt because we have been adopted, but also it makes me hurt for the pain that has that is there mm -hmm. for um, my son's biological mom mm -hmm. and her family and the pain for my son that he might very well experience in the future, you know, some some pain there or some loss. So yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Um, there is a lot of pain that goes into it, whether it has to do with um, like your story going into adopting a child, mm -hmm. what led you to that path, or um, the child's story. Um, there's some rough feelings um, that have to be acknowledged and respected mm -hmm. um, through the whole process, through their whole life. Yeah, so whether it's infertility that leads to adoption or... Um... You know, for the end of the adopted parents, there's, you know, sometimes people can have their own biological kids and adopt as well. They just have a heart to do that. But the pain of infertility, it's very unique. Um, and I think the struggles there, you know, if you've known anyone who labored through that, it's not only expensive, but it rips your heart out. And like you both mentioned, you know, the, the parent who gives their child up for adoption, what a gift that they're doing, right? They're blessing someone else and trying to do what's best for their child, even if it means pain for them. Mm -hmm. So tell me about, uh, Katie and Courtney, about the process that uh, led you to adopt. Well, for, for me, um, Zach and I have been married for like five-ish years, and um, we knew that we wanted to have a family. And it just wasn't happening, natu uh, happening naturally. Um, so we didn't want to go down the route of infertility treatments. We didn't want, we didn't even go get tested to see if there was a problem. We just knew we didn't want to go that route at all. Um, so we decided to get into foster care. Um, 
and do that instead. And it's brought several children into our home. Um, one we have adopted and a second one we're possibly adopting. Um, and it's been a really great experience for us um, recognizing the gospel in our lives. Um, because these kids come to us, they don't belong to us. None of them belong to us. They all belong to God. And uh, that's really helped us in, um, you know, the kiddos that we got to adopt and also the ones that went back to their families. Like, they're not property. They belong to God. And we are here to steward them and teach them and guide them. That's our job. Mm -hmm. um, so it's um, brought the gospel into our house um, that much more just in seeing it on a daily basis yeah. um, through these kids. Yeah. Court. So I we had a very similar start. Uh, tried for many years. I try not to keep track because it just makes me so frustrated on how long it's taking. So uh, many years tried to have a biological child and that wasn't working. So we actually started the foster care process as well. And uh, through... A couple different reasons we put that on the back burner for a little while to try to do more fertility treatments um, and then that didn't work either and so we were one summer we were just taking time to grieve the losses that we've had um, and to save money to go forward in whatever direction God was calling us to and um, we got a random phone call in the middle of the night and a friend of mine said, you know, there's this little baby who's been born two days ago and he really needs a family. His biological can't take him home. I don't know where you stand with adoption anymore, um, Would you? but would you be willing to meet him? And that was, that was it. That was, I mean, for us, it was like, okay, hey God, what are you, what are you doing? What are you, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to try? And just months of waiting, waiting on God really. And the whole time, he had this story being built of our son Shepherd, and here he was two days old and <laughs> always God's plan A, right? Like God knew exactly what he was doing, but he was such a surprise to us and everybody in our lives. Yeah. So, and then now it's just, we're trying to adopt again and in the same process, just waiting on God to show us where, where we're, where we're headed next. So mm -hmm. what are some of the, obstacles or struggles that you have to work through in this process you know I'm thinking of anything from you know fearing of the future do you fear them finding their birth parents when they're old enough no that's cool it's such a difference from when we were coming up you know that was hidden so the whole idea of open adoption is something that's yeah it's really new to me i know just the last 10 years or so but yeah i mean you you guys have an open adoption right katie um we've chosen to keep it open yeah, yeah. um we're in touch with birth families for both of our both of our kids um i have a great relationship with my son's birth mom um he's asking to meet her and that's a total possibility for us at this point um and it's and it's great she's she's getting to a good place and he's understanding his role in his story mm. and um, we've had some great conversations with him about it and it's been a beautiful thing mm. and um, we feel like meeting her and keeping in contact with her family we have um, an opportunity to witness to them mm. um, how we feel about 
his adoption and them and our family and including them as part of our family. Um, it takes some work though, huh? It does. Mm -hmm. It does, but we've been super blessed that it's gone really, really well. Mm -hmm. And how old is he, your son? Um, Nixon is four. He'll be five in February. He won't remember a time when he didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's our, that's our goal. We don't want him to ever know a time that he didn't know he has a birth mom. Mm -hmm. I noticed, Courtney, that you have a picture of Shepard's birth mom holding him. Yeah, we have a couple of pictures that we keep around. Um, in his room. Yeah. Yeah, specifically in his room. So he will always know. Uh, we have a friend who has adopted two children, and she has a book about their stories that she reads mm. to them just as, like, another storybook that she has. And so they've got, like, photos of their them with their birth parents and how they came into their lives. And I really love that idea, too. That in and of itself is such a process to try to put that into the words for your child to understand and to always carry with them. Like, my son's only two, so he doesn't really understand what's what it is but hopefully he will never not know a time when he mm -hmm. was unaware but um the going through the process of it all i think one of the things that is hardest for me is definitely the, the waiting and and the waiting on the lord and being patient but also trying to uh trying to keep my heart in check and make sure that i'm not idolizing mm -hmm. something um i think that was especially because we come from a place of infertility and like that's what has led us to adoption initially by us bringing a child into our lives whether biologically or adopt or through adoption i never want that to be an idol i never want you know a, a home full of children to be an idol or mm -hmm. any or to, to be doing this in order to fill a void mm -hmm. that the lord can't fill in and of himself you know so that has always been a struggle for me to try to keep my desires in check but if that was not the lord's desire for us could i still be content and happy in the lord mm -hmm. and um so that's always kind of been my the thought that's at the forefront of of us going through all of this how about you katie it would have been some of the struggles along the way um the waiting is really really hard um and being able to trust in God the entire time, that mm -hmm. he's going to provide whatever the plan is he's going to provide. So I have this sign in my kitchen, it's hanging on the wall and I love it. And it says, um, pray, trust, wait. Mm -hmm. um, That's so true. It's so true. <laughs> um, so yeah, when I'm praying every day, please, we want another baby in our house. And Nixon is praying, we want another baby in the house. Um, being able to trust and then be patient to mm -hmm. wait for an answer. Yeah. That would be um, a hard thing to be patient on. That's why I have a sign in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I look at it every Ooh, day. <laughs> I'm impatient about far lesser things. Yeah. I think that would. <laughs> Gail, I'd like to speak to what you brought up about um, our, when we were younger and how adoptions were handled back then with them being closed, mm -hmm. quote-unquote adoptions. Um, if any of you have ever watched uh, Long Lost Family, you see that people our age are really trying to find that biological connection mm -hmm. that was denied them mm -hmm. at um, all all of their ages. At what, and a lot of them are older when they try and seek out uh, their birth or biological families. Um, and then if you f fast forward to today, 
where DNA tests, mm -hmm. um, yeah. ancestry, all of these, in this new environment, it, it's really hard. You can't really have a closed adoption. But mm -hmm. on the flip side, should you really be searching for that anyway? Because we all are seeking an identity, right? I think all of us here can agree our identity first is in Christ. Yes. But secondly, you, you want to, especially if you don't look like the people in your family, mm -hmm. you want to relate to somebody. Mm -hmm. um, even, even myself being Hispanic growing up, even in the um, Hollywood industry, there wasn't anybody that I could look at that looked like me. Mm -hmm. And then it became down to, well, then, okay, since there's no skin color the same, how about hair color? You know, I mean, it really, you know, I had Cher and Marlo Thomas, you know, they had dark <laughs> hair. <laughs> and Cher looked Indian, and I have, I, you know, I have Hispanic Indian. So it's like, okay, so yeah, you're always trying to find that connection. So how important and... Um, exciting on the other hand for you guys that you can allow them to experience who they really are because mm -hmm. they need to be able to especially the chef situation he mm -hmm. needs to be able to look at people and go there are people like me out there mm -hmm. and we live in a great state and some people don't live in a state where there's a lot of diversity mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so they've got that challenge on top of you know mm -hmm. um, which is I one thing that I just so greatly appreciate about the church at large is that we were all adopted and the church at large, not just our church locally, is so diverse. I mean, we will be spending eternity with people who look absolutely nothing like us. <laughs> and so, um, so, I, so I'm grateful yeah. for that, that, you know, we can look at that. But also our church locally, I'm so thankful for you and Dirk because Shep has people that not only look like him, but love him mm -hmm. and are looking out for his best interest and and want to encourage his identity in Christ first, but also want to help us encourage him and who he is at his. So Shepard is Hispanic and uh, African-American and Caucasian. So he's got a, a good mix of him in there, but we're just Caucasian. <laughs> There's a lot of him in... That is, does not look like us, but it's funny because when we're out, people always say that he looks like my husband, and I don't. <laughs> I don't get it. I say that all I the time. It. I do see it. I see it. Yeah. I don't. I don't. It blows my mind. Which I think is. A, I think that's a wonderful thing God does. Yeah. That, it's special yes. that he did that. I think they walk kind of the same. Yeah. <laughs> which that you can well, maybe you can learn. learn. Yeah. Well. I, I've never seen an adoptive child look more like his father than Katie, your son. <laughs> Nixon looks <laughs> just like Zach, which is so crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's wild. <laughs> Taylor made. Yeah. No, no plan B. That yeah, exactly. Plan A. Yeah. That's right. Our plan B got plan A. Yeah. yeah, always better. Let's talk about the joys and blessings of adoption. We talked about some of the hardships, some of the origins, and... I think I can speak to this just a tiny bit, but um, I'm a grandma to an adopted son who is my heart. You know, I love him to death. I cannot picture life without that little boy. He has just, yeah. you know, come into our family and don't want to cry here, but um, <laughs> me either. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm really thankful for him. And, you know, you always wonder, oh, what's it like? 
you know, is there a difference between him and your biological grandkids? No, it just, these are my kids, you know, and I'm so thankful God brought him to you. I'm so grateful for a family who sees the blessing of adoption and welcomes our kids with open arms. I mean, we can't give you guys biological grandkids, but we can give you adopted grandkids. And it's so great that you guys love him just like every everybody else. It means the world to us. Well, and I'm finding joy in um, Nixon, our son. Um, he's you know, a typical four-year-old. He's crazy. And having <laughs> our foster son, who we're looking to adopt, um, join our family, it's like they're going to be brothers, and it's like they were meant to be brothers. Mm. And I know oh. God is orchestrating that like 100% mm. um, in what they're doing for each other currently and what they're going to do for each other um, down the road. Um, mm. My husband and I have been talking a lot about stories of brothers in the Bible. And there's It's just littered with brother stories. Mm. And um, it's been really fun watching them um, form that bond. Wow, that's really... I never thought about that aspect of it. Any other blessing is providing me an opportunity to be a mom. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the biggest blessing, right? Yeah. yeah. And what a blessing and honor and a privilege that is that that God's done that. I think another uh, great blessing is that um, we are able to share the gospel in a unique way with people who we may never have ever met before. Mm. Um, I can't think of a time when I ever would have met Shepherd's birth mom just naturally. She doesn't know anybody that I know and I don't know anybody she knows and we don't hang in similar circles. And yet I have a love for her mm. that is so deep and and we get to we get to share something that we never would have shared before. And, and, and it's not just shepherd, but it's the picture of the gospel. I get mm -hmm. to share with her how we have been adopted and I'm looking for ways to do that. But, um, it's, it's cool that we get to share, share the gospel with people that we never would have. That is interesting. I have a friend who adopted two children from China. Mm -hmm. She and her husband are not anywhere near Asian mm -hmm. in their ethnicity. And it actually led them to spend the last 25, 30 years there wow. and uh, in Asia. And it has opened many doors, especially in China, mm. because people, you know, in China, I guess it's not considered rude to stare. So people would just be like looking at them. And, and she'd say, <laughs> are we interesting? And they'd say, yes, they don't look like you. Why is that? And to them, adoption is kind of culturally... Like not a thing, you know, mm -hmm. they don't understand it at all. Like, why would you do this? Why would you adopt these two kids from China, you know? Well, we hope that we accomplished what we set out to do, to remind you of your adoption in Christ and to encourage you towards adoption here on earth, whatever that might look like for you. If you are one of those people who are feeling that tug towards adoption in any way that might be, please reach out to us. We would love to talk to you about all of the different opportunities out there and ways to get involved. I'll list in the show notes how to get a hold of us. And we also want to make it clear that if you find yourself pregnant or know somebody who is and are unsure of what your options are or what kind of help is out there for you, 
please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We can connect you to a wide range of services that you might not have realized were available and that are not limited to adoption. Well, thank you so much for listening to episode five of Not Our First Rodeo. We will be back in two weeks with a special episode about Christmas traditions. So have a happy Thanksgiving today and an entire happy holiday season from those of us here at Not Our First Rodeo.